welcome to our podcast. My name is Dave Hanna. I'm a consultant and author in organizational issues, and this series of episodes in our podcast is based on my book, Leadership for the Ages, which aims to help managers deliver better results today and build a lasting legacy for the future. Episode 3, Natural Laws Govern Longevity. In the previous episode, we looked at the life cycles of organizations to see the dynamics that explain the rise and fall of organizations over time. In this episode, we're going to look at principles and practices that can help the organization to remain alive and regenerate. Consider for a moment the common threads revealed in these life cycles that we've looked at and what lessons you could apply from them to your own situation. The ascent, civilizations, went from bondage to faith to courage to community to abundance. In the product life cycle, they went from debt to vision to persistence to divergence to convergence to market share. Then on the decline, civilizations became selfish, became greedy, became dependent, and then moved back to bondage. In the product life cycle, the focus on the product became an inward focus to win-lose strategies to following new leaders and then out of business. The similarities are striking and pose some serious questions. Why is it with all our technical advances, with our unparalleled capacity to learn and store knowledge, with the coming of a new generation of organizational processes and tools, why is it with all this going for us that we're unable to build organizations that can hold up over time? Interestingly enough, the most enduring systems are found in nature. The oldest life forms on this planet are California's redwood trees. Ecosystems of mountains, forests, streams, meadows, insects, and animals are amazingly resilient. These systems can survive physical calamities, destructive weather patterns, and other major environmental shifts and endure for ages unless humans intervene and attempt to civilize them. What these natural systems have in common with civilizations and product organizations is that they are all living systems, meaning some of their key elements are living, breathing entities. A review of the natural laws that govern the survival of living systems offers profound wisdom for understanding organizational longevity. Natural laws. Let me take a moment to elaborate on the concept of natural law. A natural law expresses a universal truth that governs the makeup of something or some dynamic process. An example from the world of physics is the natural law of gravity. Jump off a cliff and you will fall to the ground below. Natural laws are not subject to our desires or beliefs. We are always subject to their rules. In other words, natural laws govern our interactions whether or not we are aware of them, agree with them, or follow them. We must align ourselves with these laws to arrive and remain in a desirable place. But how do you know if something is truly a natural law or merely someone's value or preference? A practical way to determine the difference is to look at the universality and timelessness of the value. If the value leads to success in a wide variety of circumstances, in diverse cultures, in all ages, then it qualifies as a natural law. Values, on the other hand, may serve us well in some specific situations, but not in others. 
Because the following seven characteristics are always present in living systems that survive over time, I believe they also qualify as natural laws. Number one, ecological order. Each element of the ecosystem must fit into the order of things. Living systems are all part of a larger network of elements. They either fit into this ecosystem in a way that maintains balance of the greater whole, or they perish. Number two, purpose. Everything else is subordinated to the highest purpose, survival for self, group, and species. Natural instincts lead to self-preservation, the law of the pack, and the preservation of the species. Failure to be concerned with anything beyond self ultimately leads to ecological imbalance and death. Number three, steady state. Survival is maintained via steady processes that follow a proven functional routine. The steady state is a pattern of habits that assures daily survival and stores energy for meeting critical challenges. Without a steady state, the system uses more energy than it can obtain from the environment. Number four, mobilization. Threats to survival and the steady state are sensed and met, or as one colleague said, the white corpuscles move to the boil. The dynamic of mobilization is a two-edged sword. It certainly protects the steady state. On the other hand, it can actually attack a force that would cause constructive change to occur. Number five, complexity. Systems develop more complex specialized functions. We humans often misunderstand this law. In human organizations, greater complexity usually translates into creating steeper hierarchies and narrower spans of control. In nature, greater complexity generally leads to expanding skills or functions and a greater ability to adapt to the environment. Number six, synergy. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Synergy comes from new relationships. Synergistic breakthroughs occur when different elements come together in new ways. The challenges and opposition posed by a diverse environment are the very forces that shape the beauty of nature, the survival of a species, and an organization's competitive advantage. Number seven, adaptation. Processes change as necessary when environmental changes threaten survival. Effective living systems subordinate processes to purpose. They are able to grow and adapt in remarkable ways when new environmental conditions require them to do so. These seven natural laws govern all living systems, from plants to animals to human organizations. They identify for us the characteristics an organization must possess if it would endure for more than a few decades. Now, let's consider how these natural laws fit into the life cycle patterns we have already reviewed. The fragile nature of organizations comes from the fact that they are not always put together consistent with natural laws, but by humanly crafted policies. To the degree these policies adhere to the natural laws described here, the organization's longevity is enhanced. But if the policies conflict with natural laws, the system's life cycle will be shortened. For example, at the very point when the competitive market is stimulated to produce something new, the successful organization with market successes suffers from internal myopia and takes its eye off the customers. Greed and win-lose obsessions, both self-serving, become counterfeits for purpose. 
In an attempt to further standardize and control the steady state, human complexity substitutes for natural complexity. Directives come from the top down. People focus more and more only on their piece of the whole. The more fragmented the system's elements become, the more dependent they are on factors outside their control when attempting to make meaningful improvements. The bottom line of all this is that the instincts for further adaptation are blunted as the organization declines. Leadership for the Ages The conclusion to be drawn from the previous section is straightforward. You must adhere to the natural laws of living systems if you would develop an organization for the ages. It is straightforward, but certainly not easy to do, as history teaches us. As a leader, if you were to follow nature's script, you would make it your business to do these seven things. First, ecological order. You would strategize to fulfill the most important needs and expectations of your key stakeholders. Number two, purpose. You would develop a compelling purpose and strategy so that each member instinctively acts to fulfill it. Number three, steady state. You would design work processes that consistently deliver high quality outputs. Number four, mobilization. You would build systems where people are able to solve problems at their source. Number five, complexity. You would sustain more self-sufficient, flexible, multi-skilled people and work units. Number six, synergy. You would develop true partnerships with all stakeholders to always enjoy a competitive advantage. Number seven, adaptation. You would re-strategize and redeploy resources in the midst of external changes to stay atop the life cycle. If these characteristics were typical of the way your organization conducted itself, your life cycle would reach one peak and then ascend even further and again and again. You would jump over the downward slope of the life cycle curve. Specifically, how would you jump the life cycle? When you reached a peak in the curve, you would refocus on your stakeholder new needs and reshape your compelling purpose instead of being blinded by internal myopia. The life cycle would begin a new upward spiral instead of sliding down. It is the capacity for continuous improvement and adaptation that critically influences organizational longevity. An important thing to remember is that, in a sense, there is no such thing as an organizational mission or organizational behavior. Organizations don't have missions. People have missions. Organizations don't behave. People behave. Yet, when enough people share a mission or behave in the same ways, their pattern becomes an underlying structure for the organization. Thus, organizations that last for ages can only be developed by leaders who follow the success patterns of natural laws. A well-known government contractor was caught diverting over $40 million in phony purchase orders for work and equipment it never delivered. Top executives talked about wanting employees to report wrongdoing, Yet some employees said the corporate culture encouraged the opposite. Those who did report wrongdoing ended up labeled as troublemakers and were forced out of the company or shuffled into dead-end jobs. The company ended up paying more than $60 million in fines. A large company with an excellent track record in its industry was having trouble pleasing Wall Street. Despite the company's strong financial foundation and good growth record, Stock analysts said its future was questionable because the operations were overstaffed. 
In due time, the layoffs began. Another company had overhauled its entire accounting system in the late 1980s. Many functions were computerized and financial personnel were decentralized and assigned to each operating division. Yet despite all these modernization steps, the number of people in the central accounting department remained the same. And a fifth example. Despite results that made it the most productive plant in its industry, an electronics plant was closed in 1992 as part of a company-wide cost-cutting effort. Why did the parent company close down its best plant? Pressure from both senior management and union leadership led to the decision. The plant was both non-union and unconventional in its approach. The other plants fit in better with the corporate culture. Six years later, the parent company closed its doors. When viruses like these are strong enough, organizations drown in puddles and molehills become mountains. One manager gave a colorful description of the effects of an organizational virus. We have an organization that utilizes excellent people to turn out mediocre results, he said. On the other hand, healthy organizations, those aligned with natural laws, are able to overcome dysfunctional individuals, practices, or operating cycles. No matter who you talk to in these organizations, top managers, associates, customers, suppliers, community representatives, they all agree that their association is an enriching experience. Life for all is better because of what the organization is doing. As you can see, leaders today face enormous challenges. It humbles us to acknowledge that we aren't in control, that natural laws govern our effectiveness. It overwhelms us to contemplate how we might influence others to align with these natural laws. And it reminds us how many things happen every day that are not aligned with natural laws, therefore requiring someone's leadership, our leadership, to put things right. So how do you as a leader begin aligning your organization with these natural laws so it becomes ageless? As we said in episode one in this podcast series, you must work from the inside out, beginning with yourself. Your leadership must first earn the enthusiastic followership of other people. When these people become aligned with natural laws, they will create an ageless organization. The next two podcasts will address the roots of the inside out process, how you can earn the devotion of hearts, minds, and souls. Thank you for being with us in this episode. Be sure to join us for a future episode. You can go to podcasts, smart organizations, and see what comes next. Thank you very much and have a good day.